Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Creed to my Rocky. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Actually, I think I I reversed that. The only thing that makes me Rocky is I'm Italian. I feel like I should have reversed. Everything else is pretty much the other way, huh? Uh, I think think, uh, Rocky's taller than Apollo Creed, so that would also work for us. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you're kind of the plucky underdog, though, like, and, like, with the heart with like the heart and the willpower you know i definitely more, have the whole try hard thing going i'm more and i'm more of like the the, the douchey front runner all right whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> and, our, and our very own drago it's eric Ronovic. Yes. actually eric would you rather be Dra- which which villain would you have wanted to be if you could have picked any villain from anyone you want clever lang drago Thunderlips, like who would you want to be it's gonna be between clever lang and drago and i think it depends on the day because you know, I think I like to think of myself as Drago daily, but if someone asks me something and I'm in a bad mood, I'll just look at him and go, prediction. The, b- <laughs> the, the best is like Clubber Lang says he's going to like have sex with Adrian. That's like the best. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's all downhill from that's, there. That's like the <laughs> most un-Mr. T thing Mr. T's ever said. I feel like after he said that, he went up to the actress and was like, I'm sorry about that. My mama doesn't want me to say that. <laughs> and he's like yeah, we're not screening this for my mama are we that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right so we got um we got a great episode right here because the seahawks won uh 40 to 3 and uh i think good night that's wait, a whooping that's a it was a beat down uh everyone played good I, I don't think we need to say much more than that snacks had four stops on 15 run defensive plays snacks is back uh, the backup defense all got to come in. We got to see some Geno Smith. I'm about to say we had a six foot three, two hundred and twenty pound victory cigar for the last uh, little over a quarter. Kobe Parkinson looked good on those late drives, man. I, I will talk about that in a second. But yeah, it really shook things up like a thick Luke Wilson. Yeah, I was like big fan. Well, he didn't drop anything though. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the Seahawks offense. Let's just get right into it. Let's get this. Let's let's do the victory dance right now. So Seahawks offense, Russ, 21 for 27, very efficient game, 206, four touchdowns, had the pick. Um, what did you think of that interception, Kevin? Uh, really nice play by the safety to get the one-handed grab. Um, such a nice play that DK clearly forgot that he could do anything to interfere with it whatsoever. I think and it- instead just kind of reached to where he thought the ball was going to end up. And uh, like he could, he could have helped us out there a little bit. <laughs> not a great, not a great throw. If no, we're being honest, like not a great throw. Hook. They got a little pressure there and he didn't get uh, enough on it. Underthrown didn't get really get enough on it. Uh, safety does a good job kind of breaking on the ball and DK was shaking up like two plays earlier. So I'm just going to give him an, a complete pass for that. We won yeah, four like to three, so I'm not going to be upset about it, but yeah. yeah. But- I mean, those are the kind of mistake plays where Russ goes for too much that we've been talking about lately. And he, I think he really like after that was like, you know what? I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm just going to go out there and play efficient. Good. You know what the opposite of that was? The opposite of that was the touchdown to Will Disley Mm -hmm. where it was schemed up really nicely. Um, There were a couple, there were uh, about half of the throws to, to lock it were on those like bunch formation or those kind of zone beater concepts where Lockett just kind of got to settle in. And when Russ threw it to him, there was no one within six yards of him in any direction. Like there were a bunch of those plays. There should have been another big throw to Moore that he bungled on the sideline. Yeah. Yes. The we, Swain touchdown was uh, yeah. like, like the defense all got sucked into DK and Swain was just open in the back of the end zone. Russ has struggled a little bit this, with, with this year so far with the pressure and the blitzes. Right. And this game was no exception on the on blitz plays this game four for eight 
40 yards and the pick was on a play where there was a blitz. I think that really like this, they need to get better at managing these blitzes. It's the, it's kind of a, a glaring weakness of this team, right? It was when you bring extra pressure on the Seahawks right now, Russ is not finding the open guy fast enough. He's not reading the defense quickly enough to, uh, to make, to punish teams for that. And that's how, that's what you got to do, right? When the, when the, when they bring an extra guy or two extra guys, you got to read the defense quick, take what they give you and just keep the, keep the chains moving. And I want to see that continue. That's what I'm kind of looking for is like, if this offense is going to be the premium a plus version that it can be, that's like what we need, right? We need the only 12s version, (laughs) only (laughs) 12s.com. The, the, we need them to just really like move the ball, push, push forward, uh, take what the defense is giving us and not, not just go for everything on play. But it was a really solid performance from us. I didn't know there. And one thing that is that like, if we look at his history, um, one of the areas of the field, he throws the worst to is like short middle, right? That's like mm-hmm. one of his worst areas of the field in this game. He went eight for eight with 79 yards in that area. So he was looking and finding his spots and doing a good job. So I don't want to like, belabor this point in a 40 to three victory. I just really want them to, you know, it, it's like one of those things like when you, even when you win it huge and I'm, you know, has someone who's been around a middle school football team, you know, sometimes you're going to win by a lot and you still need to find things for the players to work on. Right. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to look for, uh, for what should the, the preparation, man. Yeah. So I think one thing we can work on the Seahawks can work on is that you had a really good practice this week and I'm I'm not trying to diminish an NFL football team in the New York Jets, but the New York Jets are terrible. Uh, their de- their brand new defensive coordinator looked looked unprepared for this game. Uh, the players were late to their assignments. Um, Russ was able to have his way with this team because this team's so bad. Now I'm not saying we can't build off this game, but uh, we'll get into it in the preview. But I think this coming week will be a much different story. Um, I'd love to see you know middle part of the field for Russ against Washington because the Jets looked uh, defeated. <laughs> it's like that Bane quote, victory has defeated you, except they have not had a victory yet. Like the Jets are just, they're hapless. They're out there. They're, they're barely a football team as bad as the Browns were eight, 10 years ago. I feel like this Jets team is just worse. Um, so you again, know, you not- say all that and they do suck, but I mean, they're the number 24 defense and like we played a Giants team that also sucks and we lost to them. Yeah, exactly. But the Giants defense is better than the Jets defense. Just looking at them on paper, in person, in person on TV. Uh, Adam Gase is still the Jets coach. I just feel like, yeah, it was a solid plus game, but I don't feel like our troubles are behind us yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah, not I saying we, we're saying that. I'm just, uh, no, nope. it's beating the, the Jets. Beating the Jets does not mean anything. Right, like it, well, at the we end gave of the them day, their worst loss of the season. So that's what we should have done. Mm-hmm. Right, we right. We, it's nice to see us do what we're supposed to do. That's the thing. You can only beat the team that's in front of you, and we beat the brakes off of this team. Uh, Carson was back, which was nice. Carson getting in for seventy six yards on twelve rushes. Uh, the Discord is very—it's a running meme now. How tired he looks after every after every play. Hey, and, he didn't uh, need the oxygen after that long run he broke off. So I'm proud. Yeah. My boy. That 28 yards is like an extremely long run for Chris Carson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like that That might be as well have made it to the other planet. Um, yeah. Let's see, tw- 12 rushes, 76 yards, uh, 3.17 yards after contact per attempt. Uh, Carlos Hyde had 3.87 yards after contact per attempt and looked, I think, uh, solid. Not great. I'm not like a huge Carlos Hyde fan. And 
I understand he's there to just be like Chris Carson, the worst version. And, he sponged uh, it in garbage time nicely. Yeah, that's what he did. He did a good job, you know, running the clock and keeping the clock moving. I kind of would have wish we would have seen a little more DJ Dallas just to see what he got has, you know, because he just got he got four touches and I'm just kind of interested. What what is there anything there? I mean, he's a third or a fourth round pick, right? Which is a decent pick to throw out a running back and kind of want to see what we got there. But it's cool to see Gino in for 11 plays. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just like always love that. Uh, what we that that sat we had, you know, Tavares Jackson was the first ever backup quarterback to appear in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so I love whenever the the backup gets out there and does something. It's kind of fun. It does more than just call coin toss. Coin toss is the best in the NFL. Yeah, we 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 went from coin toss yeah, god better. to coin toss god. You know, it's like we've been truly blessed in that area. Uh, that's pretty much it for uh, running game. You know, talk about receivers, guys. Yeah. yeah. Who, who is your Who's your favorite receiver in this game? Kevin, Eric, what said, do you got? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to root against DK Metcalf. This is a guy that uh, so much was said about him in in uh, I was going to say preseason. Spill uh, a lot of ink, as they say. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a guy who is who is going to be a megastar and is already a megastar, and it's just fun to watch him. Uh, it's fun to watch him learn. He gets the touchdown. He, uh, he jumps up and takes control of the camera. Bad move, DK. But at the same time, it's... it's only five, it was only a five-yard penalty because Bootzilla Myers kicked it so far that they only got it back out to the 30. <laughs> Who cares? The, the kicking god himself, Bootzilla Myers, just, just rocketing it down the field, making the penalty not matter. He's like, DK, and we know you got you a birthday present, but here's another birthday present. That penalty didn't matter. <laughs> the cannon. Just wiped it out. Yeah, as long as it's not an extra point. Uh, but if we're gonna go away from DK and uh, Kevin, I'm sure I'm I'm not stealing your thunder. Maybe I'll just expand on this. But uh, uh, David Moore, David Moore having a, a big drop early in the game, and it was kind of like I don't think it's gonna matter. But I feel like you need to catch every single ball thrown to you, and then uh, having a couple big plays later in the game. Uh, that's uh, that's my big takeaway in this, uh, as far as like star receivers for the game. Uh, I would just be ragging on more and I'm, I'm just going to let you have your, uh, your good moment because that drop was atrocious. Uh, Tyler Lockett <laughs> was one of the two that stuck out to me as far as wide receivers go. Um, five for five, 52 yards, uh, f- average five yak per reception and had four first downs on five catches. That is Tyler Lockett doing Tyler Lockett things. Like that's a nice game that we want from him. And then Freddie Swain. At two catches, including a touchdown, the other one was kind of on a swing pass out of the backfield on motion. And when Ballantyne broke that run back, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, Swain is the person who chased him down from behind and tackled him to I mean, stop it from being ran. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that Jason Myers didn't make that tackle. I mean, he's so good <laughs> at kicking. I thought, you know, he's got leg skills to be able to get in front of it. Maybe he'll just kick him down, but it didn't happen quite the yeah, way. At least he didn't Janikowski it. <laughs> I want to give props to the tight ends in this game, man. The tight yes. ends went tight ends went five receptions for 59 yards, and all five of those receptions went for first downs or touchdowns. On five I targets. Mean, yeah, five receptions, five targets, five first downs or touchdowns. That's that's super solid performance from all of our tight ends group. Um, Olsen's working his way back. I think this is a tight ends group with a lot of talent that's kind of uh, relatively untapped right now. And so I'd like to see it continue to develop, see Uncle Will, Uncle Bill get back involved in the in the passing game, see Colby Parkinson given an opportunity to develop and become a better player. And, and you, you need know, a nice Jacob- little hands catch over the middle too. 
Jacob Hollister is well. That's Coley Parkinson's game, right? Is that he's not creating a lot of separation. He's uh, but he his catch radius isn't even that big for how big he is. Like his catch radius isn't crazy, but he has he has mitts, man. He he's making he's gonna make some catches, right? McAvoy plus. He's got mitts. Like he is not dropping a lot of footballs, which is why what kind of what I what I'm excited what excites me about him is that I think he he could be a real good target for Russ because Russ you don't have to have a big catch radius with Russ because he's gonna put it right on you you know he's gonna get yes. put it in a spot where you can catch it so i like colby parkinson a lot as especially as a fit for us and then hollister i want to see us start using hollister more creatively you know he he has the the speed and uh movement skills to really play like a like a h-back kind of role in our offense and get used in multiple spots and i want to see them kind of uh move that weapon around and not just you know use it as a tight end or a, or kind of a the big slot kind of wide receiver that they want and I know that's something that they see for this team because they they drafted Steven Sullivan. And if Steven Sullivan is part of your football team, there's only really one role for him. And that's like big slot, uh, move wide, move tight end, right? Like that's what that guy is. And I know he played some defensive end this year to get on the field. But let's be honest, it's that's just kind of who he is. And so, so yeah, I, I think that like using Hollister in that role, he could he's athletically capable of pulling that off. And so I, I kind of want to see, see that happening i still like hollister on this team he as our tight end number grows like how many how many tight ends we have on the roster hollister did a lot for us when players like luke wilson couldn't he's still a valuable piece disley isn't injured this year it's good to just see him like fit in with this team as a reliable option like the tyler lockett of tight ends uh the (laughs) fact that greg olson is not dead and not retired like he'll be back he might practice this week's the the rumor uh this is this bodes well for us because i tight ends are a big part of this team and i also think tight end is a weapon that shoddy knows how to use pretty well um well a couple of plays that i really liked uh what you kind of would see is it almost looked like um a screen pass setup where the tight end was blocking but it was more like they he like he put a chip on a guy and then just kind of take a step forward like he was going to move to the second level to block and turn around. And it creates that quick pass over the middle <laughs> that teams don't anticipate Seattle having in their back pocket for a pressure situation. So that's that's a really nice thing for us to have. Uh, the turnaround and post up, a.k.a. the Travis Kelsey. That's that, it. Travis Kelsey basically runs one route over and over and he leads the league in yardage. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a great play, though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really good route. Uh, so okay, blocking up up front in the trenches only allowed six pressures all game. Most of them came through the middle, and uh, that that's kind of concerning a little bit. Um, I felt like the middle of our line was getting a little bit overwhelmed by it. They have a they have a really good young defensive tackle, and so I'm not like a pair of them. Like that's the strength it. of their defense is but, like Quinnen Williams coming over the middle for I think he had two pressures, and then. Uh, Franklin Myers coming in for over the middle for two pressures. And those are, that's kind of where most of their pressures came from. And I just like to see us, uh, you know, the, the middle of the line has had a lot of opportunities to play together. And I think I'd like to see that cleaned up a little bit. Wasn't exactly what I like to see. Um, Wheeler, Kevin got the highest grade um, of any offensive lineman on pro football focus. And, and to pro that football focus watches every play. And to that, I have to say, um, oh, okay, I guess. Whatever, you, whatever you say, pro football focus. I'm not 100. He didn't suck the today. That that's a plus. 
yeah, he's not terrible, but do you, Brad, Brandon Shell should be back next week, and so should Cedric Bowie. And I would say Chad Wheeler um, should be uh, right, not right tackle, but right bench. You know, that's that's yeah. the that's the correct spot for him to be playing on this football team. Chad Wheeler did something very unique to Kevin, which is make him miss Cedric Bowie. Yeah, that's <laughs> impressive. That's a career accomplishment. Oh, yeah. you did it! You got there. But you know what? He had 44 snaps last game, uh, 11 on the left, 33 on the right, and was not uniformly terrible. You know, they moved him over to left tackle when they went uh, full backups mode, and uh, they put Kyle Fuller in at right tackle. It was boy, it was crazy out there. Yeah, no kidding. That was that. Like Nathan was like, they should be resting everyone, and then they did that. And Nathan was like, well, like maybe not everyone, everyone. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you need to put Kyle Fuller in at tackle, man. Like, do some try something else. That that's just whatever. That you know, what? so crazy. Do, do whatever you want, I guess. I mean, it's, it did not matter. We were up by so much, and they seemed they seemed demoralized on the other side of the field. You know, like they weren't trying super hard. So, all right. Any other blocking notes? Blocking news? Blocking notes for you guys? No, mine just played well. Yeah, I thought the line just played solid. I mean, it's this game is kind of a layup, but I don't want to underestimate that. We go into a, a matchup next week with a very difficult uh, defensive line. Jason Myers, again, awesome. Four for five on extra points, but made uh, both his field goals. He remains undefeated on field goals this year. Uh, Dixon, still great. All right, let's go to the defense. Um, who's the defensive star for you, Eric? Oh, um, the, the Jets, 100%. Um, <laughs> playing the jets i mean uh jamal adams uh do i do i really need to go on anymore jamal adams jamal adams uh here's the thing about jamal adams i didn't think he had any chance to be a seattle seahawk you guys are uh a long time listeners short time listeners will remember how you guys are kind of all in on this like it'd be great we could we could solve this if we just trade for jamal adams oh, i don't think he's available next week hey they might make him available i don't think we'll get him Week by week, it just kept growing. Hey, uh, you know, it, this might happen. Yeah, it, we actually it, got it, him. It, it did kind of seem weird. Like, like, like we didn't seem like we were going to be the team to get him, and then all of a sudden we had him on our team. Yeah, and I yep. was out because I didn't really, I didn't look at his snaps. I just look at the type of player he was. I didn't realize how much. I don't think anyone, re- anyone here realized how much we would use him in a pass rush scenario. Having said that, I feel like that's bottomed out a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Not saying well, that's. Did set, the NFL, did set the NFL record last week, though. Eight and a half, he, got, to, got to eight and a half sacks, which is a record for defensive backs all time. He did, but I feel like in the last three games, Pete has been cooling a little bit. Now, uh, our pass rushes, pass rushes this time. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you, Eric. Do you think yeah. that – so this you're talking about Jamal Adams. He has eight and a half sacks right now. Can Jamal Adams get to ten sacks on this season? Three games to get one and a half sacks. What do you think? Oh, I, I think he's probably going to get three and a half. It's they're Ooh, still, they're still going to rush him. They're still going to rush him six times, five to six times a game. He is still going up against some inexperienced quarterbacks. If you think he's going to have one, uh, if you think he's going to have one sack this weekend, I would say uh, over under one. I'd pick the over because I think he might have one and a half against the Washington football team. All right, get to uh, ten. That'd be awesome. And then, and then yeah. there's still two games after that, which is, uh, yeah, I think it's a no brainer. I would not, I would not be surprised to see him get to 11, 11 and a half. I think twelve, twelve is kind of pushing it, but it might happen. Um, either way, we have, uh, we have a little more in the uh, defensive line pass rush options now. Uh, having said that, Jamal Adams, a a near interception that, <laughs> what what do you say after the game? He said, 
uh, you said yeah, something. He was like, mad. He was not. Yeah, he was happy like, with "Oh well, I'm well, I'm just stupid, I guess, or I'm a failure." Um, I missed that <laughs> ball. He said something funny like that. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, and it wasn't just because he was facing his old team. Jamal Adams suddenly become the heart of this defense. You ever notice how, like, you know, Pete he runs out to like you know high five the players. Who's right behind him doing the exact same thing, almost like impersonating him? It's Jamal Adams. That, He's just so happy to play for a winner again, you know? Yeah, but that's this is like a leadership we haven't had on this team. I mean, even Bobby Wagner, he's a he's a great leader, but he's not commanding the entire defense leader like Earl did. And I feel like we have a leader like that again. So, yeah, Jamal Adams all day. President, go get it. All right. Uh, Kevin, how Nathan, I think I know who you're going to say, so I want you to go next. Because okay. I'm going to cheat. I've got like two or three guys I want to say. Mine is KJ, right? I think like KJ, KJ has had like this resurgent season that I think is unexpected and, and yes. uh, both amazing. He make he still makes plays that are real splashy and excellent. Like, uh, they, well, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't even a screen this week. It was a pitch, which is kind of like a screen. Too close but, to a screen. But, Can't but do that. Another tackle yeah. for a loss. He, he lit that play up. He said, Frank Gore, sit down. I hope you, uh, you have one foot in the grave already. Let's put, let's make it two feet. And uh, he I thought he saw the 49ers uniform he was on him. So he adjacent. KJ, I've just been very impressed with him the whole season. Three run stops in this game on only 40 snaps because they, you know, they pulled the, they pulled the starters uh, with like two drives to go. Um, looks good and looks pretty solid in coverage. They're asking him to do the things that he's good at, cover those shallow flats and stuff. And I, I just think that he's a really solid football player. And I'm, I'm excited about KJ right now in a way that I wasn't in uh, previous years. It's just, um, he's just been really surprisingly great and uniformly, you know, extremely good. And I, I mean, yeah, 2015 KJ, Wright Was obviously like the bet, the peak KJ, Wright. Right. He was like as good as Bobby back then. Right. Um, now we're in 2020 and he's definitely not as good as Bobby, but he's putting together like a Renaissance season a little bit and he's going to have, end up with like 45 run stops and he's going to end up with a bunch of like really splashy destroying the running back style plays. And I have a bunch of bad passes that should have been picked. Yeah. Well, four, <laughs> four pass breakups. And I think Sad. he could have, he could have picked two of them for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just been a really solid season for KJ and I'm really happy with him. So KJ is my, uh, my favorite guy this week. He's my, my boy. All right, Kevin, go ahead. All right, I'm going to run down the list and tick them off. Uh, Snacks Harrison. This yeah, was his like breakout game for Seattle. Four run stops is a lot for how little he played, man. It was just... And he eat- was in on that strip with Adams. Yep. He just yeah. eats He eats space. Like He just eats up so much space. And I think we finally got to see he's trending towards being in game shape right now. He's getting close. We're, I think we're going to get like final form Damon Harrison and the, like the the playoffs, you know, and it's like, that's very exciting. That's a player. You is a big time impact player on our football team. Yeah. Because this was, he played like all pro Damon Harrison in this game. Uh, again, granted against the jets. Yeah. And, um, they, and they held and they, we held out. Um, I think Dunlap could have played, but we we're playing the jets. So they said, yep. nah. <laughs> and so Dun- with Dunlap and, and snacks and we got this, there's something brewing on this defense. It's I think could be actually, sneaky good like we might sneak up on a lot of people in the playoffs uh collier played inside at three tech um with puna uh next to snacks harrison which allowed collier to kind of display his best uh um his best pass rushing ability so i thought he had a really solid game he's got some power moves that i think uh are a little bit underrated 
So yeah, you had tip ball at the line, I believe, too. Um, yeah, uh, LJ, LJ Collier, maybe, maybe not a total waste of a pick. Are we are we there yet? Or yeah, definitely. I don't think he's ever going to be worth his pick, but he's not going to be a waste of a pick. It's, okay, I I don't like where he was taken, but I like what well, where we saw of him in this game. Uh, with that rotation, it, it leads you, to a little promise. Do you think that like he's turning maybe into a little bit of like a new Quentin Jefferson? Like yep. he, he played eighteen snaps in this, eighteen snaps in this game. He played uh, eleven on the inside. He played seven on the outside. You know that's like that's like um that's very Quentin Jefferson esque, right? Like where you you move him around a little bit you, wherever you need to rest guys. He kind of spells everyone and does a serviceable job all over the place, which is exactly what he did here. Right, got two pressures and then the run stop. That's an abated pass. That's like exactly what you want from a from your, your rotational defensive tackle. That's a good performance. Yeah, um, Ugo Amadi had a yes. really good game in coverage. The only bad play, um, the so one was he dropped that pick, and he knows he dropped that pick, and uh, but it was still a good pass breakup, and he read the play really well. The other one was um, he's responsible when Braxton Berrios uh, made that play. Um, right before halftime that set up the missed field goal going into the, the half. It was the longest play of the day. It was a 34-yard pass, and that was on Ugo Amadi. Um, they went into motion. He motioned over with the motion guy and was standing basically behind Jamal. And so um, he proceeded to follow his guy like he was in man, but it was actually a zone concept. And so he was standing functionally on top of Bobby Wagner and no one was outside to do the coverage. So like that was a pretty big communication miss on Hugo's part. And then he made up for it by just playing really, really stellar the rest of the time. Uh, Kevin, do you think that Ugo is in need of just more reps? Uh, do you think he's going to grow into that full-time role? I think it's just a need for the backfield to play together more in general. Yeah. Um, it's the communication thing that we talked about before. Yeah, just I mean, he he could be the new Justin Coleman. It's it's that's kind of where he's at. But mm-hmm. we just uh, 39 snaps is a lot for a nickel corner in our system. And I'm really happy about that. Like, I think that that's kind of where we want to be. We want to be playing a lot of nickel right now with uh, with Jamal in the box and kind of mixing up those looks and where those guys are going. Uh, DJ Reed at right corner was fine. He wasn't like great, but only targeted three times, got a run stop, like played a serviceable outside corner and does seem like someone who is a complete option at nickel or outside corner, kind of the same way that Akeem King was for us in, in recent years. And I'm totally happy with that. That is a that is a very good player for us to have on our roster that for depth when right now it just seems like Dunbar and Flowers just and Griffin can't we can't get two of those guys healthy at the same time. Yeah, you know, that's a fact. That's a, that makes him a valuable piece. And then the last guy in my laundry list of almost all the defenders, uh, Jordan Brooks, I thought had a really good game. He was decent enough in coverage. He got a sack that got called back on a phantom penalty. And that would have been a really nice thing to see. And Shaquem Griffin got his first regular season NFL sack. Yeah, Shaquem Griffin. And of course, Bobby was great. I don't know if we said it, but he is. All right. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> Always. That's basically it for the Jets game. Let's move on to the Washington football team. Washington football team enters this game uh, on a little bit of a heater. Their quarterback might be hurt, though, and their backup quarterback is really inconsistent. Now, one thing is that they they looked at their quarterback situation, mm-hmm. and I think that they what they thought was that even if um, even if Alex Smith is not pl- a better foot 
uh, I don't know how to put this, a better football player than Dwayne Haskins. Um, he understands how to run a football team and be a leader better. And that's the part Dwayne Haskins is not good at. And so they said, let's, I think that this is an organizational decision. They didn't think of themselves as a playoff team this year, which is probably correct. In, in a normal situation, they're like a six and 10 team or an eight and eight team that's on the fringes of the playoff hunt. They, they look at themselves that way and they say, okay, let's make this a learning experience for our young quarterback to see if we can kind of develop him and show him what it takes. And I think Dwayne Haskins has responded really well to that kind of uh, like constructive criticism. I don't know another way to put it. Uh, he's been on the sidelines clapping it up. He's been on the sidelines helping guys and doing looking looking the part of like, I understand now what I should be doing and what I'm supposed to be. And uh, I think that Washington football team, it, it's, it might not be as big of a drop-off as people are as expecting. When when the pe- when you look at the just the raw stats, I mean, Haskins was pretty bad earlier this season, right? He was... Uh, 96 for 158, completing only 60% of his passes, four touchdowns versus three interceptions. Just not a very good uh, football player. But he also he took a lot of sacks for for only five games, uh, taking like three over three sacks, a, um, three sacks a game. But I just think that he is kind of developing those intangibles and might not. It's it's not a free square if Alex Smith doesn't play. That's what I'm going to say. Like, I think a lot of people are saying, are acting like, well, if Alex Smith doesn't play, this game is a free square. And I think it's the opposite. I, I don't think it matters if it's Alex Smith or if it's uh, Dwayne Haskins. Those guys, that they are they are going to come ready to play. They're going to come. They're going to look better than we think. And that defense is hungry. And that's kind of what what uh, what's scary. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, those guys are having a s- season together. And um, you know, Deron Payne too. They have a lot of good defensive linemen, and so I'm just, I'm just kind of worried, you know, that it's kind of like the Giants. We took the Giants for granted because they had Colt McCoy at quarterback, right? Um, we came in with what looked like a really conservative game plan, and if we do the same thing because we're like, oh, Dwayne Haskins sucks, we can just take this game off, put in a conservative game plan, and get a W, we might be looking at another twenty-one sixteen. You know what yeah, I mean? He'll hook up with Terry McLaurin for a couple of big plays. Yeah, like, that's going to happen. Antonio Gibson should be back. Or no, no, he has turf toe, right? He's not yeah. going to be back. He's most likely not back. It'll be a JD McKissick revenge game. I, you know what? <laughs> JD McKissick has looked pretty good this year out of the backfield. Um, so that's not. It is weird that they drafted a wide receiver that plays running back and then signed a different guy to be the third down running back, though. That's yeah, that's, that's a that's sure a decision that was made. Yeah, I, I what so when you watch football team, we I think we all looked into the to football team a little bit this week. What do you notice, Kevin? What do you notice when you look at football team? Uh, I notice a team that has a really good front four. Um, I notice a team uh, that has a really sound defensive system that works. And this is uh, you know this is Ron Rivera. He's running the same style of defense he did in Carolina, where he wants his front seven to kind of create havoc. And he wants his back end to just play well enough to not let a lot of easy passes go. And you know, they're 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 playing that way. It's the the coverage isn't quite where you want it to be, but it's not bad. Like it's it's pretty similar to the coverage he had in Carolina towards the later years when they have like, you know, one good corner. And I think too is is Washington has one good corner. So like this year they have one corner who's better, but they don't shadow. 
So they don't shadow at all. So uh, it, a lot of people might be thinking like, okay, well, where's Ronald Darby going to go? Where's Kendall Fuller going to go? Like, are those guys, they don't shadow at all. Those guys just cover their side of the field. So there's not a big, and there's not a big spread to either about how like Washington does versus number one and number two or number, number, sorry, number two and other receivers, but their number one receivers overperform against Washington 20, 21.3% DVOA. And that's because I think that because they don't shadow the number one receiver can find, uh, find weaknesses in their defense. So what I want to see from us this week, if we're going to win this game, we need to put DK in positions that he can win, not just say like, Hey, DK lines up against Ronald Darby every play. And, uh, we just, we just chuck it in there and hope for the best. I want them to move DK around and find spots where he can be successful or Tyler. I don't care. Cause they're both really good. Right. That's the thing but, though, is I feel like DK has a really strong physical matchup. Like size wise, Darby and Fuller are both about five eleven, both about a buck 90. So they're even a little smaller than a uh, Darius Slay. Right. But attack Jimmy Moreland, attack Fabian Moreau, like attack these guys that are not as good attack. John Bostic, Sean Dion Hamilton, like all these guys they have that are like, they put these put these guys on the field, right? And they are not good at at uh, they're not good good at coverage. And so attack the guys who are not good at coverage. Jimmy Moreland's been targeted fifty nine times this year, giving up forty one catches. Like he's a free square if he's out on the field. If you can attack him and just just attack that dude. Their safeties are the same way. They have a safety that's been a targeted 33, 42 times for thirty three receptions. Like you can attack these guys. Kevin Pierre Lewis will be out there in coverage. And I don't know Kevin if you remember KPL, but when he's uh, targeted. When Can he's he targeted, this, find the guy he's supposed to be covering now. That'd be he's a special team stud. When he's targeted this year, the quarterbacks have a 128 rating against him. Like you can, you can attack certain guys on this defense, and that's what the Seahawks need to do. It drives me absolutely bonkers when the Seahawks come out with a game plan that doesn't include <laughs> attacking the other team's weakness. So we, what I want to see is us going at moving DK around, being creative on offense a little bit, finding ways to make make this defense better and don't just run the ball running the ball against this team is a would be a disaster this is a pretty de- decent run defense and so i don't want to i don't want to just go out there and and like kind of this is the number number 10 run de- run defense in the league you you have to figure out interesting ways to attack them because they're number two against the pass number 10 against the run you cannot just go out there and say like we're just going to do this we're going to impose our will on them it's not that kind of defense you have to figure out ways to beat them yeah, you're not going to. They have a really good front four. Uh, uh, so you mentioned that safety has uh, 33 catches on 42 targets. But one thing I wouldn't underestimate, he's got PFF grade of 69. Nice. nice. He's got an interception, a pass breakup, 28 run stops, and a defensive touchdown to go with his two sacks because Cameron Curl has swagger. Do you want to know how much swagger he has? Oh, God. I'm going, we're going to get some weird college football fact here. From, from, <laughs> from Alex Scarborough, November 19th, 2018. Arkansas suspends defensive back for socializing pregame with Mississippi State Spirit Squad. That's right. Cameron Curl got suspended for, for fraternizing with the opponent's cheerleaders in a okay. college game. A college game, sir. That the team went on to lose fifty-two to six. Well, I mean, he had his priorities straight. Priorities, so. yeah. So, so you could doubt many things in Cameron Curl, but don't doubt that man's swagger. That man okay. has confidence. Uh, <laughs> their offensive line's pretty solid, so I'm I'm interested to see how we attack that. Hopefully, Dunlap will be back. Um, 
they can run the ball for sure too. They have they have the ability to create push up in the fr- up in front. I think this is a decent team. Like Washington's just is super all right. There's nothing wrong with Washington. Like their passing game's terrible. That's it, and it's because Alex Smith can't throw more than five yards. But I, it's funny if you look at what they had seven games before the bye week. Uh, they they won two of those games. Okay, and if I went through the scores, and they would score between twenty four and ten points a game, which is uh, a, a low average. That's defense first, defense first squad for sure because they can't throw. Yes, yep. but all these other teams are talking about defense first. These teams are scoring over thirty points on them. Uh, the Eagles, who are are terrible, scored seventeen points, and Dallas without Dak Prescott before they had Andy Dalton playing at a uh, level that was. Uh, being a tangible quarterback, uh, that that team put up three, so it's uh, it's it's very interesting that they were really bad yeah, but- and they had two wins. Now coming out of their bye, they they lost their first two games, but they've been putting up more points and they've been still been giving up about the same amount. Well, that's of points. with Alex Smith. Yeah, but that's the thing. They're putting up more points. Their defense, it's not reflected in the points they're giving up. And it's in what like Chase Young can do, what Curl can do. I mean, these are and, the last the last four weeks. This is a young defense, remember. These are yeah. lots of lots of rookies, lots of secondary players. The last four weeks, 15 points to the 49ers, 17 points to the Steelers, 16 yeah. points against the Cowboys, and nine points against the Bengals. They they really have put it together a little bit in the last six weeks. And yeah, like you said, Eric, they don't score a lot because they can't pass. Right. So they can't score fast. They're kind of like going to try to do a giants on us. They're going to yep. try to slow. They're going to try to slow the game down. They're going to try to ugly it up. They, you know, they don't score enough to, to be interesting, but they can stop you from scoring. So as long as they can keep it close, they can just hope for a couple big plays. It's easier when they have Antonio Gibson because he is an explosive, exciting football player. And when they don't have Antonio Gibson, it, it, I think it makes their life a lot more difficult against a, a team like us that can really score. One at the beginning well, of the year, they're... a weapon and Gibson's a weapon. And if one of them is missing, then they only have one weapon. Yeah. McLaurin is good. I think like scary Terry as, as a person who uh, like he's on the DK level of like guy who is next. People aren't, don't talk enough about Terry McLaurin because he's toiling on a team that doesn't pass. And he's, you know, it's, it's not that exciting to watch. Go, don't go. You know, don't, nobody wants to watch Washington football team football because they just play defense and, it's not that exciting, but this guy is really, really freaking good. Um, he's already hit a thousand yards for the season, just three touchdowns because you know they can't pass. But, but very, very, very good football player. And uh, yeah, I, I expect big things from Terry McLaurin as he can, continues in his career. Cannot believe they got him in the third round too. There's so many values to be had in the NFL draft, and like if you're a good team and you can find them, you can really put something together. So, all right, um, you guys ready? predictions picks um i i think that this game is close uh i think that they ugly it up like we said um i think it's like 24 to 16 seahawks uh, i'll go next i think it's going to be a really a really tough day for russell wilson i am anticipating some sacks some fumbles some not being able to see over the defensive line of chase young in his face having said that i'm looking at uh 20 to 12 Seahawks and no, no rain in the forecast though. So don't worry about that. No rainy, no rainy day rest. Oh, good. Um, I think there's two ways this could go. We know Seattle's defense is capable of shutting down the run. So it could be a situation where we stop them a couple of times early. We get a couple of quick scores and then they're trying to play from behind 
And that's the only way this game ends up being really lopsided and ugly. Otherwise, I think there's a good chance it ends up being a pretty close game. And I think the closer game is the more likely result. So I'm going to go 23-13 Seahawks. Yeah. All right. So there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head to only12s.com. Click anywhere on the screen. It'll take you to our Patreon. For a little dollar twenty-four a month, you can join the Discord, get in there, watch the game with us uh, every Sunday. You can uh, definitely uh, experience full Brett. <laughs> you can, you oh, can yeah. uh, also listen to our picks podcast, which is pretty fun. Lots of jokes, good times to be had. Uh, thank you to new Patreons, David, Thomas, and John, and then Patreons that we've had for a while, December Patreons that I'd like to thank. Lucas, Greta, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, Thomas, Charles, Sebastian Foles, EBJ, Warwolf, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flocktimus, Keith, Michelle, and everyone else who supports the show. And if, hey, if you are um, someone who can't support the show that way financially, then make sure to head over to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a nice uh, nice five-star review. Uh, helps people find the show. And uh, maybe tell a friend, you know, over the holidays. Be like, hey, buddy, I heard there's you like Seahawks. Here's a podcast you should listen to. I don't know. Maybe that's not a conversation normal people have. So, so uh, <laughs> all right. Well, maybe they Movie, movie club this week this week we are all going to make a sales pitch we want to add one movie to the sketchy christmas movie pantheon that's right the uh what would we call it? what are some sketchy christmas movies that we can use as examples here die hard is the obvious one right die hard gremlins. is kind of a christmas movie gremlins kind kiss, of kiss, bang, kiss, bang. kiss bang, bang. batman returns batman returns so these are movies that people um say are christmas movies because they want to watch them because they like them and they use Christmas as an excuse to kind of annualize that watching. We want to add a, some new sketchy Christmas movies to the uh, to the Pantheon. We're going to sales pitch them. We're going to talk about why we like them. So, Eric, I want you to go first because I think yours is the most incredible and amazing. Uh, I think it's f- the funniest one. All right, Eric, <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you think we should add in to the All Christmas right. Pantheon? So, uh, when I think of Christmas, I think of uh, I think of the city. I think of lights. Uh, I think of the tree and all the presents, the gifts. Um, so in a roundabout way, it's kind of weird that I would say this, but I'm going with Stanley Kubrick's final film, Eyes Wide Shut, starring the then, <laughs> or is it Kevin? Uh, starring you- the then married couple of uh, Mr. Tom Cruise. So you want to get the, you want to get the family together, gather around. Now that that is. Hot- <laughs> <laughs> I'm following the hot buttered rum. I would actually just argue that you put everyone to bed, including that's, your that's wife. That's actually Eric's safe word is hot buttered rum. <laughs> I had to switch it from Fidelio. Uh, <laughs> so, for those that don't know, Eyes Wide Shut is about a married couple that um, they have some issues, some lack of trust. And uh, how do I put this without. Well, I'm not. I don't even care about spoiling. I'm just trying to like yeah, get there. Quickly. Can't spoil a 20 year old movie. Come on, man. Just so basically, Tom Cruise through uh through through kind of discovering himself way too late in life. Earlier in the film, I believe he says something like, uh, "You know, women don't think sexually like uh, they don't like men think about sex, but women don't." Something to that effect, and it's that kind of turns the movie on its ear because uh, that is not the case. And uh, Nicole Kidman kind of puts seeds of doubt in his head 
And so he kind of goes and finds a secret society. Not the goes, only seeds. Goes to some orgy parties. Uh, doesn't partake in them, but really gets close to losing his life and losing not only his physical life, but his married life, his professional life, uh, all for intruding in a space where he shouldn't. And it's all around the Christmas season, which makes this movie a little more unsettling. Uh, there's a lot of... Um, it's not so much unsettling imagery as it's scenes that you're just like, this guy isn't helpless. Why is he in the situation? What the hell is going on? Like, is he losing his, his wife? Is he, uh, are, are his, are his fan, his fantasized fears taking over his life? These guys threaten to kick his ass in the city, like these young bullies and he doesn't do anything kind of sets up who this guy is, or shall I say who he isn't. And, um, it's a, it's a, it's a fun film for the whole family. If you <laughs> are the only one in your family who's awake at the time, it does take place around Christmas it is, and it is the sketchiest one you could have, you could have suggested, which is why I think I love it so much. I gotta, I gotta give, I gotta share something kind of private with everyone listening to, cause it's a little sheds a light on me. So when, uh, I was, you know, 21 is like my first real serious girlfriend. I let her run my life because I, I had no self-esteem. I like girls didn't like me until like I was 19. So I was like, you know, Oh, this just must be the way it is. And I saw this movie in theater and she drug my ass out of it because she was offended. Um, <laughs> now that's uh that's many girlfriends ago. And I'm an, I'm a different person. I have, uh, I have matured and uh, believed in myself. But man, if I could just go back in time and when she said, I'm not going to watch this, I wish I would have, I could go back in time and just say, all right, just go. <laughs> it would have been, it would have, instead of having to watch it like years later and being like, oh, I'm so much more mature. I get this movie now. Anyway, <laughs> I will end it and just say Fidelio. Fidelio is the is the safe word for or the password for the movie. Uh, Kevin, you want to go next? Sure. Right. Uh, we're gonna go with a 1974 movie from the director of Porky's. Mm. Porky's does suck, as I well as Baby Geniuses. These are all Kevin's favorite. Movie. Kevin's your favorite director, am I right? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and and a Christmas story. Well, Bob. Here Clark. I am. Here I am to help him back. Yeah, it's a Bob Clark movie. <laughs> 1974's Black Christmas. This movie has been remade a few times. Don't watch those. Watch this one. So this one has, um, first of all, it's got Olivia Hussey and um, a four years prior to Superman, Margot Kidder, and they absolutely kill it in this movie. Um, it is about a sorority house being terrorized by a stranger who makes frightening phone calls. Yeah, the phone calls are like the scariest part of this movie too. And the like, phone calls are like legitimately scary. Yeah, they're scary. Um, it's like, I, I don't, I, I, I never looked it up, but if you ever listen to the audio recordings of um, the golden state killer, uh, it, I swear they modeled it after that to sound like it. It's got that like, breathy weird quality it's, to um, it. it's it's another thing about this movie too is um is that it's got like um it's probably the the one of the best slasher movies ever made and, and it's, it's a very it's a very modern slasher and it was one of the first ones but it feels like um it feels both like modern but also like has that like it feels like it's in the period you know what i mean 
Like yeah. you got like shag carpet and like, you know, it's, it just feels like you're in and the, the clothes and everything. Oh, the mink, the mink coat on that guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's straight pimping, dude. Yeah, dude. There's, there's so many things to like about this movie. It's just, if you like slasher movies, if you like, um, murdery Christmas movies and you know, we all, we all have a favorite horror Christmas movie. I think black Christmas is probably the best one. And, and if it, if you watch this movie and you feel like it's too cliche, it's probably because this movie invented that cliche. Like that's that, correct. That's like a lot of it. Like people will be like, Oh, it's kind of just like scream. It's like, yeah, but that's because that's what the scream was looking at. Like that. Yeah. This is the OG right here. Like it was one of the OG uh, slashers that like really kind of made the genre. It's, it's so feel good. my Tarantino creeping in. Um, yeah, you I know, think- the other movies, they're, they're popcorn movies. You take the kids to them. <laughs> yeah, I just got to say, fuck the mouse. But I think Sorry, too is like there's all these sorority girls in this movie, and they could have really easily made them all feel like they're just different versions of the same character, which the new one kind of did, which is part of the problem with it. Yeah, well, they did not do that in the original, though. The original, no. like, they really felt it feels like a bunch of individual characters. So, and they've all got stuff going on in their life. Like Margot Kidder, um, you could tell she's got a lot on her plate. There's some kind of dark stuff happening because you get like kind of a peek into their family because they're organizing going away for the holidays or not going away for the holidays. And so you get like an idea of what the parental relationships are. Um, it's a movie where, you know, it's 1970s. So there's a little bit of a, a, a female empowerment angle to it. But it's not like an over-the-top in-your-face thing. It's just in that the characters aren't stupid or mindless or anything. They're just like actually functioning entire humans. And it, it it's, creates a really cool thing where, like, yes, you have the last girl trope and stuff like that. But again, it's inventing those tropes. Yeah. All right. So my movie, you guys ready? Yeah. Uh, my movie is one you could actually watch with your kids. So I destroyed you guys on that on that front. <laughs> um, you beat us. I made us. My movie ends with the with the main character telling his son a Merry Christmas and the crowd erupting in cheers. Also, during this speech, he defeats communism and uh, unites America and Russia. This is, of course, Rocky Four. Uh, Rocky Four is uh, probably my second favorite Rocky. Um, I would say uh, controversially, I like three, four, one is my top three. Uh, but you guys can hate me for that uh, in the in the Discord. So, so Rocky Four is, I think, a really quite excellent, uh, you know, movie. Like it really has like the the revenge angle, you know, because Drago kills Carl Weathers and it's very dramatic. And then Rocky has to like run up a mountain. It's so stupid. This movie is is really dumb. The montage in that movie. When he is running through the snow and the KGB away from the KGB after him <laughs> shooting at him might be the dumbest scene in any movie ever, ever. And it's the it's the scene I think of first when I think of not just Rocky Four, but Rocky movies in general. It's not the Yo Adrian or any of that stuff. The first thing I always think of is Rocky in a sweatsuit jogging through the okay. snow while incompetent KGB people shoot at him. And what is the best part of any Rocky movie? The montage. The Montages. This movie is 16% montage. <laughs> 15 minutes of the 91 minute runtime are montages. Okay. This is this movie. It's 91 though, minutes? Yeah, it's short. And oh, it's it, got, feels, it, like it feels so much movie. longer. It's short and it has tons of montages. 
which is the best part of any Rocky movie. Maybe that's so, why it feels so long. The montage so is just Here's the mind. thing. Here's the thing I would say is like Rocky one is obviously the classic, like the underdog story. It got a screenplay not Oscar for a reason, right? Rocky three is like the, the, the blockbuster, the Hollywood version of Rocky, right? Rocky four is like the, it's like, um, you know, you, you know, when you, uh, come home after a really tough day and you like rip the pants off and you put on a pair of basketball shorts, that's Rocky four, that feeling <laughs> of just like pure comfort, pure, like, ah, you know what? I get to sit down, turn my brain off and just enjoy Rocky four, this American propaganda piece cold. It's basically a cold war propaganda movie. And I, and it's I mean, he's functionally so a superhero in the movie. And, and then the movie at the end of the movie, what, when, when does it take place? It takes place on Christmas. Um, also, there's a live performance of Living in America by James Brown. That is amazing. That should be in that, every movie. Now, real quick, this is just a little insight on this. When that was recorded, there were a lot of James Brown songs recorded around that time involving the word America. <laughs> James Brown was in trouble with the IRS. Okay? Now, I don't know why he did this. But even he has a he has a Christmas song. It's called America. It's Christmas time, and it just sounds like a Rocky song, or it sounds like any James Brown song. But it's the fact that it's like he owes the government money, so he wants to extol the virtues of how great his country is. Please don't lock me up. I don't know what it is. That's just a little trivia for you. I what find a, it very funny. What about at the what about the the love story in this movie too? Between Uncle Polly and, uh, <laughs> and the robot. <laughs> what what uh, says Christmas off movie that never happened? What says Christmas more than the love story between a man and his robot? Uh, a man and his robot, an older and aging man and his robot. All right, so so we those are our picks for uh, m- sketchy Christmas movies that should join the questionable Christmas movie pantheon. If you have a if you want to tell us about your sketchy Christmas movie, what movie you think should be. What movie has a Christmas tree in it for one second, and that way you can call it a Christmas movie, or or Rocky says Merry Christmas at the end of the movie, so you can call it a Christmas movie, or whatever it is, right? Uh, tell us on the Discord. Get in there. Give, tell, tell us what you think. Uh, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. I will crush. You.